Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. If you have your Bible, we're going to turn to Psalm chapter 16. Book of Psalms are going to be in chapter 16 this morning. And as you're turning there, I'll tell you uh, about a story. One of uh, my wife and I, our, our friend, she was willing to share with us. So one night we were talking with a couple who's our friend and uh, friends and uh, talking about just the things that you do as newlyweds when you're uh, just kind of getting things going. So trying to figure each other out and you, you don't want to embarrass yourself or you want to be kind, all those kind of things. Put your best foot forward, particularly at the beginning. And uh, so this... Oh, a song for the dissatisfied. <laughs> and um, she said that one night, her husband had just gotten married, and he was in school, and she decided, you know what? He's, he's out at school late tonight. I'm going to bake him a cake. I want to serve him. I want to bless him. I want to bake him a cake. So she made him one of those yellow cakes with chocolate icing and was very excited about him to try it out. And she said, you know what? I think I'm just going to try a few bites. Like, I'm just going to eat a little bit, and this will be good. He'll still get cake. He'll know I made it for him. So she ate a little bit, and next thing she knows, she had eaten half the cake. <laughs> Sounds about right, yep. So she then is in a predicament of like, okay, do I, do I, he's going to see this, and this is embarrassing, even though I made it for him. Like, it's embarrassing. I had an entire half of a cake. Do, do I throw away? What do I do? Do I just tell him? So she decided, you know what? I'm just going to eat the whole cake. <laughs> yeah. She said, to this day, she still not keep, cannot eat yellow cake with chocolate icing, right? Like just what she thought was going to be satisfying, like one for her husband, but also satisfying for her. It only led to more agony, more sorrow, more trouble, right? So often in life, the things that we think are going to bring us joy, the things that we think are going to be satisfying. As we pursue them, they end up not being so satisfying, right? I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you, don't, don't answer out loud, but are you satisfied? Particularly in the Lord. So satisfied being you have joy, there's contentment, there's a peace, there's shalom, there's a wholeness, there's well-being. So maybe some of you, I don't know what your experience was on 4th of July, but maybe you got to meet with some friends and family. Maybe you had a big barbecue and just some s'mores, then you watched the fireworks. Maybe at the end of that, there's a sense of satisfaction, right? Your belly's full, you're grateful, you're watching something beautiful, there's satisfaction. If we're honest, I think most of us would say, a lot of days, we're not so satisfied. We're, we're frustrated, we're disappointed, we're discontent, we're, we're anything but satisfied. But scripture commands us, but also invites us to be satisfied in God. To find our greatest pleasure, our greatest purpose in him. The great Jonathan Edwards said this, God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but by it being delighted in. And God is 
most glorified in us, as John Piper says, when we are most satisfied in him. To be satisfied in him. I had you turn to chapter 16. I want to begin with the end in mind and read verse 11 before we really dive in. David says in verse 11, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Now we know David wasn't perfect. We know he had his moments where he did not find his satisfaction in the Lord. But man, as he writes this, this sounds like somebody who is satisfied in the Lord. Amen? Like there's abundant joy in your presence. Like probably not many of us came to church this morning feeling that way. God, there's so much joy in your presence. It's the best thing on earth to be with God's people, to be with you. And most of the time, we're just kind of, oh, it's Sunday, Brandon's coming for Pastor David. I guess we'll go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, but David says there's joy in the presence of God. What I love about Psalm 16, it's not a to-do list, but it gives us this picture, this portrait of someone who's finding satisfaction in God. So I don't want you to, to this morning like treat the points as we'll walk through like a checklist. I gotta do all these things to be satisfied in God. But rather, like look at it as a painting, a picture, and like, okay, what's going on in that painting that I lack in my life? Like, what's going on in this picture of David that, that I don't have going on in me? What does it look like to be satisfied, content in God? Verse one, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood. And I will not speak their names with my lips. Here's the first thing we see in this portrait of David is this. You want to find satisfaction in God? Believe God's ways are better. Believe that life with him is better. He says in verse two, notice, I said to the Lord, I pointed this out last week in Psalm 13, but he says here, I said to the Lord, notice that hopefully in your translation, you'll see that Lord all the letters are capitalized. That first one, just the, the O-R-D is a little smaller. This is Yahweh in Hebrew, God's covenant-keeping name. That he, he's the faithful God. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Notice lowercase O-R-D. This is Adonai. So he's saying, God who I have a relationship with, who I'm in covenant with, you are my master. Literally, you are my Lord. You're in charge of my life. And he says, I have nothing good besides you. A more wooden translation of that would be, God, there's nothing good outside of you. God, there's nothing good beyond you. So I could try to step out away from you to find goodness. And you know what? I ain't gonna find anything good. It's only in you, my master, my Lord. There's nothing good beside you. And then look what he does here. I think he begins to unpack some of those good things we have in God. He says, as for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. See, to delight in God 
necessitates or like what follows that is that you're going to delight in God's people. So you meet someone who's like, man, I, I love God, but I just hate going to church because I can't stand those people. Something's wrong. I'm not saying they're not a Christian, but something's wrong. Because to, to delight in God, to delight in God's ways, is to delight in God's people who are walking in God's ways, right? He says, the sorrow, verse 4, the sorrows of those who take another God, so this is idolatry, for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood. It's a pagan ritual to pagan gods, false gods who aren't gods at all. And I will not speak their names with my lips. Saying, God, I, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to stick with your ways, your people. I'm not going to live in idolatry. I'm not going to worship other things. I'm not going to worship other gods and follow their ways. And I love what he points out. In, verse, in the beginning of verse 4, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. So you want your sorrow, your grief, your dissatisfaction in life to grow and multiply? The best way to do it is to try to fill up your life with other things than God. Very true. To, to try to pursue these other things, to find your greatest satisfaction, your greatest pleasure and your purpose in these other things outside of God. When you do that, you're actually only multiplying your dissatisfaction. Are you familiar with Matthew Henry, the late Matthew Henry, great Bible commentator? He said, those that multiply gods multiply griefs to themselves. For whoever thinks one God too little will find two too many, and yet hundreds, not enough. <laughs> Want to find satisfaction in life? Believe, act on the truth that God's ways are better. Stick with him. What did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to whiffle and waffle and I don't know which way. No, we're going to serve God. His way is best. I remember one time we were on a, uh, taking our college students to the Dallas area for a conference and we were on a charter bus and the bus driver, for some reasons, years ago, probably, I guess six, seven years ago, the bus driver had two GPSs at the same time. So he had like GPS, like a Garmin, I don't know, like a, a more, yeah, you're tracking with me. Okay, he had that. And he also had his phone mounted on the, rims, the, the windshield and both are going at the same time. And as you know, Dallas traffic is a little more complicated than Lubbock. And so at the same time, it's telling him to go different ways. <laughs> so the longer on this trip, the more stressed he becomes. And like we're, we're, we go one way and then he starts to listen to the other GPS. So they're both rerouting, recalculating. <laughs> I remember I eventually, I was sitting near the front. I eventually, as kindly as I could, I was like, sir, hey, do you mind? Can, can you just pick one? <laughs> can you just choose one? And he eventually did. And the trip was so much more enjoyable <laughs> for all on the bus <laughs> and much safer. <laughs> How many of us this morning, we're, it's like we've got two GPSs God, I'm going I'm to do your ways, but I'm also going to hang on to these other things because I don't want to miss out on the ways of this world. It seems like these other people are having fun, so I'm going I'm to have both of these speaking to me. And David's saying, hey, you want to find satisfaction in God? You've got to make up your mind that, and believe that God's ways are better. Maybe. Let go of the ways of this world and pursuing them and just pursue God. So, friend, I want to ask you, what GPS... <laughs> Do you need to get rid of this morning? What, what 
idol in your life, there's something that you're pursuing and more consumed with than God, do you, do you need to let go? Say, hey, I'm just gonna find satisfaction in God to recognize there's nothing good beyond God. That's why he says in verse five, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. It's the second thing we see in this picture, this portrait of being satisfied in God. You want to be like that? It's this. Delight in the giver, not the gifts. Delight in the giver, not the gifts. Listen, we are to enjoy God's gifts. Don't mishear me there. I maybe could have said that a little differently, but... Enjoy God's gifts, but they are to point you to God. What did James say in James 1.17? Every good gift comes from where? From God, yeah. So the point is that those good gifts that we experience should point us back to enjoying, to satisfaction, to delight in God. He says, you are my portion. There's some words here that have some kind of um, similar meaning. He says, you are my portion. And then down in verse six, he says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And then he says, indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. All of that language is reminiscent. Should maybe draw to mind if you're familiar with the um, book of Joshua. When the Israelites went into the promised land and God divided up the land for them to go into, it, it, was, it was a gift. Hey, this is your allotted land. Live in it and enjoy it. It is a blessing. There's, so there's boundary lines. There's a portion. And what David is saying is that God is my portion. That everything, again, similar to what he says in verse two, that all the goodness in my life, it's found in God. He's pleasant. It's a beautiful inheritance. So it's not just that the things God gives me is good. No, God himself is good. I just don't need his stuff. I want him. You know, the, the cup, especially in the Old Testament mindset, it's the cup represented all of God's goodness, all of God's blessings to us. So it's Amazing. It's a little bit unique in this sense that he says, God, you are my cup of blessing. So it's not just like, hey, my cup overflows. God's been so good to me. You know, he says, God, you are the cup that overflows. You are what's good in my life. I delight in you. And I love he says, you hold, in the end of verse five, you hold my future. Maybe a more literal translation would be lot. So the lot was something they would use to determine, make a decision. So the future of something could be decided on, was determined, was set by the casting of a lot. So what David's saying is, God, you hold my life, you hold my future in your hands. You determine everything. So think about this picture. God, he, David's saying, God, you're my cup of blessing. I have you. But then he says, you hold my future, you hold my lot. But also, God, you have me. Intimate relationship. It's just the best thing about my life is delighting in you. You have me. I have you. That's where joy, satisfaction comes from. Late C.S. Lewis said that God does not find our desires too strong, but too weak. He said, we're like foolish, ignorant kids 
playing with mud pies in puddles in a slum because we don't know the invitation of a holiday at the sea. To translate that to West Texas terms, like we play in Playa Lakes when we could be at the ocean. (laughs) He says, Lewis goes on to say, we are all too easily satisfied. To translate that again into West Texas terms, we all the time fill up on chips and queso and miss out on the fajitas. (laughs) God is the best thing we can experience in life. Yes, his gifts are good and we should enjoy them, but they should point us back to God, our cup of blessing. Are you pursuing God? Are you here this morning because of God or because of gifts he might give you? Do you want his presence, E-N-T-S, or presence, E-N-C-E? I think I spelled those right. (laughs) Which one? If you want his presence, just like gifts and good things, like you're going to miss out on what's most important. You're going to be distracted from what's most important and what's most satisfying, and that's God himself. You want to find satisfaction in life? Delight in the giver, not just the gifts. What else does this picture show us about being satisfied in God? He says, I will bless the Lord, verse 7, who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I will always let the Lord guide me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So what's this next thing we see is this. You want to be satisfied in God and have the most joy and contentment in life? Let him guide you. Number three, let God guide you. He wants to lead you and to speak into your life. Proverbs 2, 6 through 7. Again, Proverbs 2, 6 through 7 says that God, wisdom and knowledge pour out from God's mouth to his children. He wants to speak into your life. I love that he says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me. So he's saying, I'm going to bless. And why am I going to bless? It's because God counsels me. He, he leads me. He speaks to me. And that is satisfying, right? Worship is a reflection of your satisfaction, your joy in the Lord. And he's saying, some of my joy, some of my satisfaction that's leading me to bless God is because he guides me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. Am I the only one in the room that every now and then has trouble sleeping because your mind's going like this? <laughs> I guess this is another sign for crazy too. But like, <laughs> your mind's just running wild. Or sometimes it's, it's at the end of the night in the morning that, man, you, you, all of a sudden you find yourself burdened with things you didn't even know you were aware of, right? And David says, when my mind runs to trouble, my mind runs to you, God. Because you counsel, even at night, when I'm anxious and burdened, heavy laden with those things. You, you counsel me. I'll always let the Lord guide me. Think, what, a, what an amazing picture. The God of the universe, he wants to guide you. 
So he says, I'm going to let him. The, the picture is, uh, again, a more little translation is, I'm going to place myself behind him, pl- place him in front of me. So God wants to lead. David says, I'm going to excitedly, gladly, humbly let him guide me. Because there's, there's joy, there's, there's contentment, there's confidence in that. Look what he says. Because he's guiding me, because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Shaken, so to totter, to, to sway, to stagger. I'm not going to be like this, about to crumble and fall apart because God is by my side. He is leading me. Think about that. The God of the universe longs to place his hand on your shoulder, on your back, and say, hey, child of mine, let's go this way. He wants to guide you. There's contentment, there's peace, there's satisfaction in that. Lauren and I, my wife and I, last year, had the opportunity for our anniversary to go to Costa Rica, kind of a once in a lifetime experience. We're there for about five days. It was amazing. And one of the things we did was go on a hike in the rainforest. And at first I thought, man, like, you know, Lauren and I, we like to hike. We've been to Paladero, Colorado plenty of times. We can do this hike by ourselves. And Lauren's like, I mean, it is the rainforest. (laughs) So I began to Google the different animals that are in the rainforest. I'm like, you're right. We should have a guide. (laughs) Like, I don't want to die. And so uh, we, we had a guide, his name was Pablo, and man, he, he was the man. He showed up, Lauren and I did not have umbrellas or anything against the rainforest, should have thought about this, but he shows up, he's got ponchos, he's got umbrellas, he's ready to roll. He knows right where the head of the trail is, he takes us there, makes sure we have all that we need, the water we need, everything begins to take us on this hike. And even within a few minutes, he's pointing out a, a pit viper that we should avoid. Thank you, Pablo. <laughs> we we walk, a little, walk a little further and he's pointing off, hey, oh, here over in the distance, D- don't miss it. There's, there's a, a, a beautiful bird. So he grabs his binoculars. I'm like, how did you manage to see that? I never would have seen that in my life. He, hey, avoid this. And then later he has this pause by um, some bushes and he says, hey, look at that leaf, those leaves, tell me what you see. So Lauren and I stared for probably two or three minutes. I'm like, I just see leaves, Pablo. And then he, he comes around and points a little closer and sure enough, there's a snake right in front of us on this leaf. And we get a picture and everything. But again, thank you, Pablo. <laughs> it, our experience on that journey was more fun, was more satisfying, was more safe, was more peaceful, was more, more joyful. It was better because we had a guide named Pablo. <laughs> your life, your journey is better, more satisfying, more joyful, more peaceful, more content when you know and walk with and let your guide lead you. He's a good guide. <laughs> Remember, he, 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 he holds your future. Let him guide you. You're like, okay, what does it look like to let God guide me? Let him speak to you through your word. It, it, I don't know about you guys, it blows my mind the times I'll be praying through something that explicitly the Bible doesn't talk about. You know what I mean by that? Like, I can't point to a verse and say, that's what I should do. But as I'm reading it, somehow God makes a connection. I'm like, oh, there's the answer. Read God's word. Be still before him. I would even say uh, specifically at night when your thoughts trouble you. Your phone ain't going to help you. (laughs) Your phone and whatever you're scrolling through is not going to bring satisfaction and calm. It's actually going to stir those troubles up, those thoughts even more. 
So put that down, get in God's word, and be still before the Lord and let him guide you into peace, joy, contentment, satisfaction. Again, not a perfect life, not everything working out, no, but just joy in him. Let him guide you. So, so far we've seen three things in this portrait. One, believe God's ways are better. Number two, delight in the giver, not the gifts. Number three, let him guide you. And the fourth, I'm not going to give you quite yet because I want to unpack it a little bit. Verse 9, he says, Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. Why? For you, were, for you will not abandon me to Sheol, the place of the dead. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me, and your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. So what is going on here? This is, now to the New Testament reader, we, we tend to jump somewhere in our brains, but for the Old Testament reader, they would have been a little bit startled by this because David is speaking of, of rescue after death. He says, you're not going to abandon me to Sheol. So that is like, well, I would be in Sheol, the place of the dead, but you wouldn't leave me there, God. And that I, I wouldn't see decay my body rests securely. So yes, there's, there's joy, there's contentment, there's satisfaction here. But he's talking about life after death. How, how can he do that? The, I'm reading from the CSB. And here's a pretty literal translation in verse 10 where he says, your faithful one. The NASB, which is normally a very literal translation, the NASB in the, with the New King James translated your holy one. And I believe the H is capitalized there. Why are they doing that? They're spot on. Here's why they're doing that. The translators are doing that. Because Peter, in Acts chapter 2, while preaching to the Jews at Pentecost, quotes this verse and shows us this verse is actually, ultimately, about, Sunday school answer, Jesus. It's about Jesus. You're welcome to turn there with me. I'm just going to read it briefly. We've been in Acts 2. I'm going to start in verse 23, talking about Jesus. Peter says, Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Man, that's so good. For David says of him, he now is quoting from Psalms. I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. He says, brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. Listen, God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. Friends, 
We get to experience all the goodness of Psalm 16 because Jesus was nailed to a cross, but three days later rose again. He did not see decay, but rather conquered death, hell, and the grave and is now seated at the right hand of God. And because of Jesus and his perfect work, we are invited into God's presence. We get to experience satisfaction in God because of Jesus Christ. You want to be satisfied in this life? Fourth point, based on verses 9 through 11, rejoice in the gospel. What David looked forward to in the Messiah, we look back to and know his name is Jesus Christ. Listen, David did not perfectly live out Psalm 16. Like, I can think of a time or two, Bathsheba, when David did not let God guide him. I can think of some times where he did not perfectly live this out. Jesus perfectly lived, executed, so to speak, Psalm 16, and then was executed on a cross for your sin and my sin. And because of his sacrifice, we get to delight in God. The best way to find satisfaction in God is to quit focusing on what you do and to focus on what Christ has done You rest in it. You rejoice in it. That same trip to Costa Rica, Lauren and I did some rappelling, trying to be adventurous, probably bit off more than we could chew. But one of the things on this rappelling tour was a 79-foot drop into a waterfall. And so you're, you're rappelling, you've got the harness on, but you basically jump off a cliff, fall straight down 79 feet. They catch you lightly. There was lots of screaming. <laughs> From my wife, not me, okay? And then, <laughs> and then they kind of dip you in the water. It, it, it was awesome. But as we're standing there waiting to, to literally kind of be thrown off this cliff, um, there was my wife who asked, hey, like, what, does it help? Can, can we hold on to that rope? Like, can we squeeze real tight and then I'll slow us down a little bit? And the guide, as he just continues to throw people off, he says, you can hold on as tight as you want. It ain't going to help any. <laughs> the point was like, hey, you're, you're secure, so you can stress out. And, uh, or you can just rest and have a good time and smile and scream and laugh on your way down, which we did all of those. <laughs> you know, I think there's a thing about the gospel. How many of us, we... we I got I to do my best. I got to perform for you. I got to make sure I'm doing everything just right. And God said, you'll love me. And, and God's saying, hey, would you just rest and rejoice in my finished work for you and trust that I will carry you safely to your destination? How many of us are dissatisfied and disgruntled and our Christian life is drudgery because we made it about what we do and not what Christ has done? Rejoice in the gospel. Let him guide you. Delight in him, not just what he gives you. And believe that his ways are better. That is what it begins to look like. You begin to do those things. You begin to paint this picture in your life of finding satisfaction in God. Now, some of you may be sitting here and going, Brandon, you said David wrote this. I mean, David was a king. Like he, he had it good. He had it easy. He was rich. Life was going his way. So it's easier to be satisfied in God if you're just crushing life and enjoying life and everything's good and easy. What do you remember? Hopefully it seemed a little odd to you. If you think back to verse one, it's the one request. I'm not starting over. Don't worry. (laughs) It's the one request that David makes in this song. He says, protect me, God, 
for I take refuge in you. And then he takes off on just all the ways God delights him. I wholeheartedly believe that verse one gives us context for this psalm. That David was not writing this when he was just sitting up in his palace and life is good. No, he's experiencing hardship, threat, danger, perhaps suffering as he writes this. But ultimately, he still finds satisfaction in God, finds delight in God regardless of his circumstances because of this. Friends, satisfaction is not found in your situation. Satisfaction is found in your Savior. It's in your Savior. So look to Jesus. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. 